at Vanguard. This is more than just a retirement plan. This is your cappuccino date in Italy, the beach house with the matching bicycles. It's your rental car down memory lane and weekends reuniting with friends from over the years. This is the future you imagined, and Vanguard is here to help you build it. Because at Vanguard, you're more than just an investor. You're an owner. Discover the value of ownership at Vanguard.com. Fund shareholders own the funds that own Vanguard. Vanguard Marketing Corporation Distributor. For the ones going above and beyond. For the ones reaching out, helping out, and lending a hand. For the ones people count on. You can count on Granger. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, backed by 24-7 customer support and specialists to help with hard-to-find products. Because you've got everyone's back, we've got yours. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Watching any sport is a hell of a lot more exciting when you got a little something-something riding on the game. But what happens when the season is over? At my bookie, there is no off-season. NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, NHL, boxing, heck, table tennis, MMA, and more. If they got it, you can bet it. If the games are being played, the line is on the board at my bookie. Just remember, where you bet, though, is every bit as important, if not more so than what you're betting on. That's why I tell all my friends to go to mybookie.ag. Oh, but my state just approved it. There's a big whatever, or these guys are in the market. Nah. Johnny come latelys. You want to trust them? Trust the bookie I've been working with for years. My bookie. My bookie has been ahead of the game for years now. And why does it matter? Oh, I don't know. Maybe a million reasons. Better lines, better payouts, less rules. You name it. Plus, you get a bonus with me at mybookie.ag. Use promo code CHARLIE, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo. That's promo code ZABE. And get your deposit matched halfway up to $1,000. That's a free cash bonus for making your deposit. Use promo code ZABE to claim the offer. You bet, you win, and most importantly, you get paid with mybookie.ag. Today on the ZABEcast, oh, so I'm the cheater. When playing your best round of golf for the year at just the wrong time can lead to some ruffled feathers. Andy Poland is back from Vermont, rested but not tan, but ready to talk about the cockiest quotes of all time from athletes, plus the annual Funhouse Mirror Maze that is the preseason. All that plus, oh, people are drinking more. You don't say. Your 45-minute dose of pure me is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go! <laughs> Here we go! Monday, August 16, 2021. Thank you for downloading. So I had a great Sunday in Philadelphia, just east of Norristown. I'm not exactly sure what town this course is in, but uh, my my new good friend, longtime 1% listener and podcast faithful, Nathan Nye, NYE. He's one of the few Philly sports fans who is not an absolute garbage-eating savage. He is a reasonable, nice, good family man who's a hell of a golfer, by the way. And he's going to come with me to Scotland whenever they open up Scotland again. We have we were supposed to go together as a group. He was part of my group two years ago. This summer, we were supposed to go, still closed. Next summer is the Open Championship at St. Andrews, so that puts a big 
splash on all the tee time availability for us regular civilians and the tour packages. So we couldn't do it this next year. So 2023 is coming with us. I'd never played golf with it, with Nathan until this round at his fine club, North Hills Country Club, uh, up there in Pennsylvania, which is an old school built in 1908 type of club. Incredible conditions, beautiful, interesting, some up and downs, but easily walkable, small, trickyish greens, not too long of a course, but we had a beautiful day. So he, he invites me to play. And he invites two of his other club regular guys to play with us. And they were great dudes, as dudes mostly are. See, dudes get along with each other really pretty well, I think, all things considered. So he uh, he gets two guys to play with us. Chip Carlson, who's a former volleyball player from South Carolina. He went to South Carolina. He's from Philly, but he uh, played volleyball in at South Carolina. Gamecock. Back in the day. He's about my age, so it was quite a while ago. And Rob Fleur, lifelong Philadelphian with that oh-so-charming Philly bluntness, which I think uh, I cracked the veneer of after a while. He was sizing me up early on, like, okay, who is this dude? But old Rob wasn't too thrilled with me because when we played a match for a nominal amount of money, it was like $10 six ways, he said, you know, everyone's like, well, what's your handicap? Now, I have a handicap. It does not have a ton of rounds on it because, honestly, I haven't played a ton of golf over the last two years because of my arthritis. And it's an 8.3. At its best in the last five years, it's been an 8.3. And that's a legit 8.3 in that I haven't played to that 8.3, but for maybe one or two rounds all summer at best. Well, I played to it and then some yesterday. (laughs) Oh, yes, I did. I went out and shot 75, and I made several long birdie putts, and I really was never in trouble most of the round. And old Rob was like, oh, this guy's an eight handicap. Right, yeah, you know, just the the chirp, chirp, chirping about being an eight. And I get it, man. I have done this to other guys all the time, not really getting worked up, and I don't think Rob really was that worked up, but, you know, what made it worse too is so you know (laughs) settling up chip settled up with nathan who was my partner and he settled up the way that most guys now settle up on golf bets which is by venmo so it's very bloodless you know but because i was leaving and i was the guest the interloper for whatever reason (laughs) he assigned old rob to pay me so he had to flip the 50 bucks down on the table and I was like, okay. You know, I, I tried to say something not to be a dick, but it's like, it's what it is. Now, had I lost the 50 and I went out and got $100 out of the ATM before going to the course, had I lost the 50, I would have been delighted to hand it over to whomever. Who gives a shit, right? Fair and square. But, you know, the talk about, well, what's reasonable to shoot if you're an eight handicap? And so, not getting too nuanced on this, but the course rating from the tees we played, the whites, was 70 point whatever. And my handicap of 8.3 means generally I shoot 8 over par or 8 over the course rating, which would have been a 78 on this course, 8 times out of my last 20 rounds. That's how they average it. And then your rounds start falling off as you add more as you go along. They have charts. There's a website called the Sl- the Pope of Slope, slope being a golf term, uh, golf rating term, about how difficult courses are. 
And uh, they have a chart which shows the statistical odds of besting your handicap in any given round. Although this chart is for so-called tournament rounds, and tournament rounds are different because there's a lot more high pressure. This was a friendly round, so it's easier to better your handicap in a friendly round. Turns out that according to my handicap, I, I should have shot a 78. Instead, I shot a 75. That's three shots better. And according to this, with a handicap in the range of 6 to 12, the odds of doing that are 51 to 1. So a pretty good long shot came home, 51 to 1. But you got to remember, there was a couple of shots that could have were two-shot swings exactly. I, I, uh, I bailed out. I got up and down once for par, once for bogey from short side really tough spots with a couple of just chef's kiss flop shots. The last one coming on 16 where I was kind of in fuck it mode, I was like, oh God, and I just hit a terrible wedge shot, bladed it over the green. And I've I've got a downhill sloping green, got some space to work with, but I got to throw it way in the air. And I just, I just channeled my inner Phil Mickelson. I said, okay. In fact, I went back to the caddy. I said, I need my 60. Need the old lob wedge, and I just got under it straight up in the air. Landed as soft as a butterfly with sore feet. Gently released down a very slick, canted green because I was behind the green and just rolled up to like two inches. (laughs) It was so stupid. It's fun to do, though. It's a great time. Good guys good round. I'm not a cheater. I'm going to enter that score. Okay, Rob, it's going in the pooter. I'll let you look me up on the gin system. It's in there. But yeah, it's probably going to knock me down a bit. I'm probably going to have to be like a five or a six now for a while, which sucks because I can't play to that. Of course, at lunch, as we were talking about, and I think that they're just, they're so proud of their course as members and they're used to having guys from other clubs come in and not really know how to deal with some of the tricky little greens and whatnot. They're like, so what, how did you, what did you think about it? You know? And I, I, I just plink it so short these days. Um, my longest drive was two forty three, maybe down. I think it was, Oh, by the way, I was using the, the Arcos caddy system with the butt plugs that are electronic and the app that goes on your phone. And then there's a sensor to record. It's junk. It's going back. I've, I could give you a full review as to why it's going back, but you know me. Oh, returning something. That's a shocker. Shut your face. So, yeah, I don't hit it anywhere anymore. A, a good driver to me is 243 downhill, downwind. Sad. Averaging more like 220 off the tee. But, you know, on a shorter course, nothing too crazy, nothing too crooked. Just kind of plinking around. Make a putt or two. Eh, can shoot a nice round. But anyway, I just had to affirm I'm not a cheater. I also have to affirm that uh, Nathan Nye is a great dude, and I owe him a reciprocal round here in D.C. whenever he gets on down, and I wish his Eagles nothing but misery this year because that's what fans are supposed to do, wish misery on their rival teams. Oh, I did listen to a fair amount of weekend sports radio programming, at least on 97.5, the Fanatic up there, which is kind of the B sports radio station. They got a... A well-known personality in the afternoons, Mike Missanelli, he's kind of their big dog. But, you know, WIP is still the king up there in terms of sports radio. And um, 
boy, I tell you, a lot of Phillies talk. Holy shit. A lot of Phillies talk. All day on Sunday, driving back from the course, it was just because the Phillies were playing at the time. This host, this weekend host, whose name I didn't catch, was on with some other voice who chimed in periodically. And, I mean, he went on and on and on about arcane baseball things that I was like, okay, talk to me about the Eagles. Do you have any thoughts about the Eagles? I wouldn't mind hearing those. And it was just all Phillies pretty much the whole time. And I thought, hmm, is it because he really loves the Phillies? Is he a baseball fan? Has the program director at the station said, look, on the weekends when the Phillies are playing and they're you know vying for first place or in first place, I haven't checked the standings today, good job, you need to talk about the Phillies. I was like, all right. But he went on and on about Aaron Nola. Does Aaron Nola deserve a start in the playoffs? Should they should they make Aaron Nola skip a start? Because late in the year, he's going to be facing the Braves. He's never good against the Braves and yada, yada, yada. Should they throw a bullpen game for game two of the playoff series? As to, and I'm like, bitch, you haven't won anything yet. What are you talking about? Should we throw a bullpen game? I appreciated the passion. But, man, it was it's a lot of Phillies talk. Uh, as far as the Eagles go, heard a little bit of talk on the radio up there. And they were talking about, on Saturday morning, they were talking about such mundane things as um, will Jalen Rager get featured this year because of how the other wide receivers taken behind him as the Eagles kind of swerved a bit two years ago or last year on the draft to take Rager. You know, are they going to showcase him? Didn't hear a lot about Hurts, though. Heard some other things nipping around the margins. Look, everyone does sports talk differently. Maybe this weekend, Gow is very popular. Maybe other stations, other shows, we're talking about a whole bunch of other stuff. But what I heard was a shit ton of arcane Phillies statistical nuance when there's still a, a month and a half left of the regular season. And last I checked, they're not running away with the East at this point. Oh, and apparently the Braves are now alive. It's not just the Mets. They have to overcome the Braves. Are alive. Okay, regular season standings. How hard was this to look up the standings just while I'm talking here? It's not that hard. Uh, Atlanta's in first by a game now over Philly. Mets are two games back of first, so they're a game back of Philadelphia. And that's the race right there. Three-way race in the NL East. Okay, enough about my golf game and enough about Philadelphia Sports Talk Radio. Let's get to the main event. Let's get to Andy Poland, everybody. Hello. Rested and ready to get into the NFL season, I trust. Andy Poland is back from his uh, Vermont vacation. I almost said Maine vacation. They're (laughs) similar, just no ocean in Vermont. How was it? It was great. Uh, you know, I go there every year. I have friends, and uh, we get together. We cook out and, uh, you know, spend time on the reservoir, uh, kayaking, swimming, boating, all kinds of fun stuff. So you did all that, even though, mm-hmm. as you like to say, Jews don't fish. Well, I didn't fish. <laughs> well, I still didn't fish. But you did outdoor lake-like activities. True. So you were fishing. Worms? You were you were fishing adjacent, Andy. <laughs> well, yeah, but but I I again I did not stick my fingers in the mouth of a bass. I did not put a worm on a hook 
and I didn't sit for hours hoping that said bass would <laughs> right. try to eat said worm. Did you uh, did you water ski? Uh, no, you know uh, it's funny you say that because uh, I've been going to this uh, place for like fifty years. No, no kidding. Since I, I was a kid. Can I Google Map it right now? I'm really curious. What reservoir? It's the Chittenden Reservoir. And uh, for many years, we could water ski on there, but uh, oh, there over the course is. of time, yeah, looks uh, over nice. the course of time, yeah. the, the jet skiers kind of took over the place. Oh, no. And, yeah, it became, it's not that big of a reservoir, and it became, you know, somewhat dangerous for people who wanted to swim and canoe and kayak and so forth. So uh, over the years, they've uh, outlawed water skiing there. So you can't water ski, nor oh, you can't water, but you can jet ski though, right? No. Oh, no, okay. You, you you cannot. It's a horsepower issue. Oh, okay. Uh, and, and you're not supposed to go over five miles an hour on the lake yeah. on the reservoir. Well, All right. So you went out on a boat. You just hung out. You had a a reasonable cocktail or two. Didn't get drunk. Had some nice dinners. Cooked out. Shared conversation. How much sports right. did you watch while you were up there? Zero. 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 Totally yeah. unplugged. Yeah. So you missed the Field of Dreams game entirely. I did, but, you know, I did see some of the highlights on Twitter okay. and uh, you know, checking my phone for the various websites and so forth. So I saw the intro with Kevin Costner. Uh, I saw the walk-off home run, you know, that sort of thing. The, them walking out of the cornfield was great. The home run that went I mean, it, it, from from everything I saw and read, it was a complete home run for baseball. Okay. Did you like it, though, personally? Forget whether it was good for baseball or not. Did you well, like it? I, I didn't consume it like you did because I didn't watch the game. So I only saw highlights. Okay, but do you I like the concept? Do you, You're you no, like, absolutely. oh, that was cool. That's good they did that. Because I, I don't know where yeah. you stand on, on Field of Dreams. There's a small oh, yeah. dissenting populace that don't does not think the movie is very good. Well, the movie was saved by one line, and it's at the end when Kevin Costner correctly says, "Hey, Dad, do you want to have a catch?" And anybody, what's, what's who, incorrect? Do you want to do you want to play catch? That's not correct. Who says that's not quote correct? I say that because <laughs> do others because. Yeah, yeah, and Costner even talked about it, that the director wanted him to say, Dad, do you want to have a catch? And he said, that didn't sound right to me. And he he actually played college baseball, I believe, at like Fresno State. Um, so he you know, knows something about the game and had never used that term, do you want to have a catch, which seems to be something that's more like East Coast. Huh. And and so, yes, uh, I thought that, that – and, and look, I teared up. I saw that movie over 30 years ago. Uh, I know. And, and – and it was, it, and and a lot of women don't get it. You know, they no. don't quite understand that. No, they don't. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. By the way, there's a it. whole there's a whole Reddit thread about play catch versus have a catch. Correct. There's yeah. other blog posts that dig into this. Some of whom claim the proper term is actually playing catch. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Right. I don't have a. I don't have a stake in it. So you think that was the best line of the movie that saved it? Not if you build it, they will come. Yeah, I mean, you you know, you have to buy into fantasy. For example, a lot of people love the natural. I didn't like the natural at all. I couldn't buy it. Uh, this one, 
I could buy it on the level of relationships between fathers and sons and baseball. That's that's how I bought into this. The, the other fantasy stuff, you know, I, I mean, realistically, it, it, Moonlight Graham didn't step over the line and blow his chance to have an at bat in the major leagues. I get that, okay? And and I think James Earl Jones was a little bit over the top. Baseball, Ray, baseball. baseball. You know? <laughs> well, wait. No, wait. A young Moonlight Graham did have an at bat in the game. He had a sacrifice fly to right, which scored a run. Oh, okay. Well, he, he didn't. But have he, a but he then, but he then ended. Stay. He then ended his brief, you know, dip in the magical waters of being able to play again uh, by crossing the line to get a hot dog out of a little girl's throat. Which, frankly, she would have had a concussion from falling off mm-hmm. the back of a set of bleachers that was at least eight feet tall when she was only ten. But that's just me. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, they, they they didn't have movies didn't pay as much attention to concussions until the actual movie concussion came along. I know, I know. <laughs> concussion. Um, yeah, uh, my man Drew Olson says my he, he had a lot of complaints with the movie, but he said the one that rang home with me was so you're telling me plowing under three acres only of corn was going to bankrupt him? What kind of shit <laughs> farmer was he? <laughs> I said, no, that's yeah. a good point right there. Also, the fact that the James Earl Jones character was this big Jackie Robinson, very progressive, you know, type baseball writer would want to go back to a time in baseball in which blacks were distinctly excluded, sort of stretched yeah. one's belief, right? Good good point. Excellent yeah. point on that. Yes, yes. But it's still, it was, it was a well-done thing. For once, Rob Manfred didn't fuck something up. So congratulations. Yeah. You're you're hot. Yeah. One in a row, Rob. Keep it up. So so that now the questions become with hockey doing this with the outdoor games and now baseball doing this, uh What's it's natural for the NBA to play a game at Rucker Park. I yes. think that that's that should happen. That's easily doable. I, I don't know what football would be. I don't know if you know, football players have to be very specific about their field. Mm-hmm. And the facility and everything else has got to be the right footed, footing. It's got to be the right drainage. Because remember, though, I, someone said that the Hall of Fame game in the NFL is essentially the closest they'll come to a Field of Dreams game because it is a small stadium. Mm-hmm. But remember the yes. year that the, the stupid-ass uh, you know, grass caught on fire, the plastic caught on fire. Yeah, yeah, they had they had put in uh, you know for years they played on grass and then they put in artificial turf and had to cancel the game. Like, yeah, it was five years ago something like that. Yeah, they, yeah. I think they I or it didn't catch on fire. They tried to use some kind of uh, solution to get paint out of the artificial grass and it just made it all sticky and gooky. Yeah. And they're like they couldn't fix it, <laughs> they cancel it. So stupid. Yeah. Yeah. You know what they could do? They could recreate the vet from like the seventies. Oh my god. Concrete. Oh my god! Let's let's have a throwback to when football was really dangerous and when men were men and didn't care what they played on. All right, turning the page today, Kevin Kisner on the PGA Tour won at Greensboro, a real low-level event at the very end of the season. It's only his fourth career win on tour. Uh, He is not a big-time player, but he uttered one of the great lines, one of the great cocky athlete lines of all time when he purportedly told Barstool Sports in a story about how he was playing with some amateurs once and he hits this rope five iron like 220 yards right at the pin and the amateurs were all like wow 
And he just turned to him and said in his cocky southern drawl, this ain't no hobby, boys. And I thought, that's one of the great all-time athlete phrases ever. This ain't no hobby, boys. And it's cocky. So what would qualify amongst the all-time greatest athlete phrases? Ooh. Uh, well, I mean, there's the, the famous ones, uh, we're going to win the game. I guarantee it. Joe Namath, Joe Namath, uh, easily the boldest claim right there. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Muhammad Ali float like a butterfly sting like a bee. Um, right. Vince, Vince Lombardi winning isn't everything. It's the only thing true. Although um, some say that that was misinterpreted right. as Lombardi being m- maniacally mono-focused only on football when, in fact, Lombardi had a good grasp for life as a whole. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. And and really what he meant to say was trying to win is the only thing. Right. It's not, yeah, you know, and so, uh, now I don't know how he approached exhibition games since they used to play six of them a year when he coached. I can't imagine he was telling his players to do everything they could to win those games. But I think in the regular season, that was obviously the focus, doing everything you possibly could. Didn't Billy Martin once say about Reggie Jackson, Reggie's the great guy, he'll give you the shirt off his back, but he'll also call a press conference to tell you about it? That's possible. His more famous line, it was about Reggie and George Steinbrenner, one's a liar, the other's convicted. (laughs) And and that led to his his ouster right. about three days later. Yeah. Uh, Thomas Hollywood Henderson once said, Terry Bradshaw's so dumb, he couldn't spell cat if you spotted him the C and the A. Right, right. That was at the Super Bowl. would have been like 79. And, uh, yeah, Hollywood was probably coked up when he said it, but it, it got a lot of play, and it, it forever changed the image of Bradshaw. Not that he was necessarily known as cerebral before that, right? but that created this dumb quarterback image for him. Yeah. Uh, Dwayne Thomas, another cowboy, once said at the Super Bowl, quote, if the Super Bowl is the ultimate game, why are they playing it again next year? Yeah, that's a great line, too. (laughs) Who almost never spoke. You know, he uh, and, and after that game, he didn't want to do the interview uh, as he was not the MVP of the game, but he had a great game. He'd scored a touchdown. He had close to a hundred yards and he agreed to do it with Tom Brookshire and only because Jim Brown was standing there with him. Like Jim Brown, some way was going to protect him, I guess. Right. And, and so, and, and uh, Brookshire said, wow, you look really fast out there. Were you that fast? And he said, Evidently. <laughs> Evidently. That's awesome. Uh, remember when uh, Larry Bird purportedly said showing up to the three-point shooting contest at the All-Star break? So which one of you all is playing for second? Right. And, and he won the contest wearing his warm-up jacket. <laughs> exactly. His shooting shirt, yeah. which is pretty awesome. Uh, Mike McCarthy said as he was circling the drain in Green Bay, Let's face the facts. I'm a highly successful football coach. Yeah, yeah. Right. That that was exactly. a sort of a, a cocky sort of brag that didn't help him and actually made people go, "Oh my God, enough of this guy already." Yeah, not to get political, but it almost ranks up there with stable genius. 
Well, yeah, they certainly Trump has a million of them. Uh, people yeah. criticize Bush for saying mission accomplished, and uh, mm-hmm. hell, your boy Biden is going to eat this one about Kabul, saying less than two weeks ago, "Oh, this is not going to be just like Saigon." Did you see what happened today? Holy shit! Uh, oh yeah, yeah, they're getting rolling them out of there, getting them on the helicopters as fast as they can. Yes, when was uh, when was Saigon? Seventy two or seventy four? Seventy five was seventy five. End of. I was seven. I was seven, so I was too young to remember it. You were seventeen, so -hmm. you probably watched the coverage on TV, right? Oh, absolutely. Watched them. Watched uh, people falling off of helicopters and trying, you know, attempting to get on as they were pulling away from the base. It was, it was stunning. And and I'll tell you this about about that period of time. I I believe I'm correct on this. My graduating class in high school, it's 1976. We were the first ones not to have to register for the draft. Wow. You yeah. missed registering for the draft by a year. Yeah, not that not that I would have been drafted had it been you know two or three years earlier, but had it been five or six years earlier, there was the possibility. But I would say this: that uh, they did have student deferments, and you know there was little doubt with my economic circumstance growing up that I was going to go to college. A lot of people didn't have that advantage yeah. and were drafted. Yeah, yeah that, was a, that was a very very uh, turbulent time. In the country, mm-hmm. some would say we're heading to turbulent times now, but I hope not, Andy. I hope uh, common sense and unity prevails, and we'll just leave it at that. Um, any other cocky quotes? Anyone can think of one. Send them to me, Zabe at yahoo.com, or just great athlete quotes of all time. You know, just legendary ones. Yeah, that yeah. ring. Yeah. That- well. Ring out in history, like you mentioned it, because Kisner's saying this ain't no hobby, boys. is funny as shit. Because <laughs> even a guy who's just a tour scrub for the most part, who's only won four times, which is a lot, by the way, but still, he's a, he's a yeah. journeyman tour pro. These guys are so good, it would blow your mind. Oh, absolutely. Look, uh, I'll give you one more as I've, I've been catching up on the uh, Washington preseason game against New England as I came home from my trip, and I taped it some uh, midway through the third quarter right now. Uh, Joe Theismann was playing quarterback in 1974 in the preseason because there was a player strike, a veteran player strike, but he was a rookie, uh, having come from Canada. He had not played yet in the NFL and rookies were not considered to be part of the union. So the games went on. Yeah. The games went on. And he said after the game that he was going to, quote, keep those old men on the bench, meaning Billy Kilmer and Sonny Jurgensen. And one of my favorites remains Billy calling Sonny to read him the quote and Sonny replying, look, I don't care which one of us plays as long as he doesn't. (laughs) That's a that's a good one right there. At Vanguard, this is more than just a retirement plan. This is your cappuccino date in Italy, the beach house with the matching bicycles. It's your rental car down memory lane and weekends reuniting with friends from over the years. This is the future you imagined, and Vanguard is here to help you build it. Because at Vanguard, you're more than just an investor. You're an owner. Discover the value of ownership at Vanguard.com. Fund shareholders own the funds that own Vanguard. Vanguard Marketing Corporation Distributor. Hear that? Is that America cheering or a sausage patty? 
sizzling to perfection. It's time to cheer for Egg McMuffin and fresh cracked eggs at McDonald's. It's time to wake up to the aroma of freshly baked biscuits and treat yourself to a real honest-to-goodness morning meal. Breakfast, it's on at McDonald's. Now get any breakfast sandwich for just two bucks. Available only through the app. Mobile order and pay available at participating McDonald's. McD app download and registration required. Watching any sport is a hell of a lot more exciting when you got a little something-something riding on the game. But what happens when the season is over? At my bookie, there is no off-season. NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, NHL, boxing, heck, table tennis, MMA, and more. If they got it, you can bet it. If the games are being played, the line is on the board at my bookie. Just remember, where you bet, though, is every bit as important, if not more so than what you're betting on. That's why I tell all my friends to go to mybookie.ag. Oh, but my state just approved it. There's a big whatever, or these guys are in the market. Nah, Johnny come latelys. You want to trust them? Trust the bookie I've been working with for years, my bookie. My bookie has been ahead of the game for years now. And why does it matter? Oh, I don't know. Maybe a million reasons. Better lines, better payouts, less rules. You name it. Plus, you get a bonus with me at mybookie.ag. Use promo code CHARLIE, ZULU, Alpha, Bravo, Echo. That's promo code ZABE. And get your deposit matched halfway up to $1,000. That's a free cash bonus for making your deposit. Use promo code ZABE to claim the offer. You bet, you win, and most importantly, you get paid with mybookie.ag. So since we're in a preseason football now, and you've watched one half of Washington football team action, any mm-hmm. grand thoughts as the, the funhouse mirrors that is August football open their doors for us fans to make wild extrapolations? on who's going to be yeah. good and who's not going to be good. Any thoughts? Well, th- th- this happens every year. I mean, if, if there isn't a guy like this, there's something wrong with the preseason. So far, it's Jarrett Patterson, the undrafted running back from the University of Buffalo who had eight yes. touchdowns in a game last year. Uh, he is a little squat guy, like 5'7", yeah. and he actually wears the same number as Ricky Irvin's. And as I watched him, he's got a little bit of Irvin's in him. And uh, I think people are going to get very excited about him. But again, the way the preseason works, it wouldn't be a total shock if he's cut. (laughs) I know. It's just the way things go. The first August stud I remember getting lathered up about was a safety by the name of Rafael Cherry. Only team. He did, but still, I mean, he wasn't much of a player. More recently, ex-Redskins like Bakari Rambo became the darlings of August. Colt Brennan, may he rest in peace, was a darling of August. Before that, Babe Laufenberg was a perennial darling of August. Mm -hmm. Right. Oh, I'll give you a Colt Brennan story. I I think I probably told you this before, but I was doing the post-game show after his first game, which was the Hall of Fame game against the uh, Indianapolis Colts. So it was Peyton Manning and the Indianapolis Colts and Colt Brennan played the second half of the, again, the extra preseason game. You're supposed to play four in those days. They played five because of the Hall of Fame. A veteran team like the Colts, they weren't playing anybody against Brennan. And he was running all over the place making plays. And all the calls after the game were, oh, 
this is the guy for Jim Zorn. Zorn had yet to coach a regular season game. Right. This is his type of quarterback. Right. You know, for, forget Jason Campbell, the first round pick. <laughs> you know, let's let's go with Colts. I said, come on, it's the first preseason game. Eighty percent of the guys he just played against are never going to play in a regular season game at the NFL. Well, but that's what happens. And it reminded me of when Spurrier, in his first year got oh, yeah. this high-profile Osaka game, and he threw the ball all over the Tokyo Dome, pretty much left his starters in deep into the second half when that was not the norm for one of the first preseason games, and then pretty much crowed about it the whole time afterwards. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was Werfel who, who played well in that game, and he thought, well, this is my guy. my guy. The trophy and right. national championship in Florida. Uh, nobody's giving him a chance. I gave him a chance. We played the 49ers, and look what he did. And he used to he used to throw out Osaka all the time. Man, he looked pretty good in Osaka. Osaka, you know? <laughs> right? Uh, how come? And, how come Spurrier, who played in the league, although he got beaten to shit as a quarterback uh, for the Niners, right? He played most of his career for the Niners, mostly as a backup to John Brody. Okay. And and then was picked in the expansion draft by Tampa Bay, the oh. team that went zero and fourteen. Yeah, and and he got beat up pretty bad in that too. Yeah, how that can a guy? How can a guy who both played in the NFL and was very successful in college and put guys into the NFL? How could that same guy be so clueless about how Sunday football works? and how it does not work. Have you ever yeah, I pondered I, that? I, I, yeah, and I also what's what's also forgotten is he coached pros who many of them made the NFL. He was in the USFL with the Tampa Bay Bandits. Right. And was a pretty good coach there. And yes, I don't understand that. Uh he has since said that he wouldn't have come to the NFL, but he came for the money. He said, in those days, you couldn't make as much money in college as you do in the pros. So he wanted to you know, see what he could do there. And, of course, Dan Snyder was willing to do that. He said, nowadays, the money's about the same. He would have stayed in college. Yeah. All right, last thing tonight, and that is I watched a little snippet of the Little League World Series with my brother-in-law, Todd, in his wonderful <laughs> outdoor pool pavilion with a big screen TV up underneath. And as I sat there just luxuriating in the summer sun, I'm watching this Little League game, and the first base umpire blows not one but two easy naked eye bang-bang calls at first base, which both get overturned by replay. Mm -hmm. And all I could think about was, I thought they were going to get the good umps in Little League to do the Little League games. Do you still watch Little League World Series games? I know that you and Jeremy did when he was of that age and really keen on watching his contemporaries play in the highest stage. Yeah, he, he really followed it, and, and he liked it. And uh, I was actually fortunate enough to take him to That's a regional right. in Bristol um, when uh, I was working at ESPN. At, so I was able to go up there and work for a few days, and, uh, and he, he was able to watch games together but uh no i don't i don't watch it you know uh, if it's on I'll, I'll i'll check it out but i yeah i did see the tweet you put out you, you're actually cheering this did, did did todd who's famous for as you say being just dangerous just knowing enough to be dangerous did he, did he give you any golden nuggets on this experience no he did not however 
Here's what he said, and this was an interesting argument. He said, how fast are these kids throwing? And I said, I don't know, but just remember, Todd, they're throwing at 45 feet, not 60 feet, 6 inches. Right. He then says, yeah, but velocity, you know, the miles per hour is the same. And I then had to explain to him the operational difference of an extra 15 feet to see the ball, and I had to explain the physics of a ball thrown to infinity when it reaches infinity will be going zero miles an hour. Right, 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 right. So, so that's so, why these yeah. softball pitchers can wing it as fast as they can. Right, so the, the thing that I do not know myself, though, is is there an easy conversion chart of what little league kids, when they throw X miles per hour at 45 feet, what that translates into reaction time-wise to major league pitching from 60 feet, 6 inches. Do you know? Has anyone converted that? Is there a chart? Is there an app? But you are are asking for analytics in little league baseball. Haven't you had enough with the majors? (laughs) No, I have not. I'm just curious. I'm just curious. And then also... If you were to measure, and this is where me and Todd, this is what happens when brothers-in-law get semi-drunk and try to flex on each other about how much they know about stuff. I said, remember, Todd, that that radar gun reading is at the plate. Surely it's slightly faster coming out of their hand for the first five feet of the pitch, right? I would think. Again, I was not a physics major, but I okay. does seem to make some sense. But logic, like I said, if you throw a ball by hand to infinity, eventually it slows yeah. down to zero and falls. So yeah. Yeah. so right. it has to be a little bit faster. I want to know, what is the miles per hour in the first three feet of a baseball leaving a major league pitcher's hand versus the last three feet? That's a good question. Uh, and I right. don't know how you would measure that. And then one more for you. You ready? <laughs> Mm-hmm. There is a little league kid for Hawaii that could pitch both lefty and righty. Hmm. And the discussion came up as to, wow, wouldn't it be amazing if there was a major leaguer who could do that? Question, why hasn't there been yet? Because apparently you can't find a pitcher who's good enough with the second hand as right. he is in the right. first there there was a pitcher though i remember this in college i can't remember where it was or the name of the school but this this actually did happen a, a few years ago and uh there's there's some kind of a rule too that you can't change equipment unless it's broken in the middle of a inning or something like that so huh. you, you would you would have had to have had a specially designed glove to fit on either hand, which I guess is possible. Well, but, but in, was, the, in the guy. middle of an inning, you can't, but I would say between innings, you could, right? Okay, but let's say you got a lefty batter followed by a righty batter. Oh, I'm you, just, you, I'm no, I'm just thinking of your right arm is your starting pitcher arm, and you ride yeah. that for seven, eight innings strong, and then your lefty arm, which is fresh, comes in to close the game. Oh. Yeah, I guess that's possible, but you're looking for matchups, right? Lefty, well, lefty, righty, righty. Yeah, you yeah. are kind of looking for matchups, but it's more like one player double the innings available to be pitched. So my brother-in-law's theory was, well, I bet some coach along the way would tell a kid like that, look, you need to concentrate on your right arm, or you just <laughs> focus on your left arm. I said, yeah, that's possible, 
My theory is that, sure, a 12-year-old can pitch lefty and righty, but as he climbs the ranks to high school, junior college, college, minor leagues, one arm is going to lag behind the other, right? It's just not possible to be as good with each arm. Then I thought about, but why hasn't some psycho Marv Marinovich of baseball started training his kid at a toddler age to be truly and fully ambidextrous? Great question. And and it's, it's very common, oh, not very common, but somewhat common for kids from that age to be trained to be switch hitters, as Mickey Mantle was. As uh, Josh Bell of the Nationals is, he, he his father was very very close to him growing right. up and, and coached him. So yeah, I mean you, you, it's 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 acceptable to do that for a hitter, but not for a pitcher. Yeah. Well, anyway, these are all questions that rattled around my brain as I had a few too many uh, truly uh, s- seltzers from his fridge seltzers. outside. Oh, yeah. Here's another question for you. So my brother-in-law insists on having a fridge outside exposed to the searing heat and humidity of the mm-hmm. summer, running 24-7 because he doesn't want to walk 25 yards into his house. Yeah. Uh, How I much suggest- energy do you think that that small fridge consumes per day? Quite a bit, and its life is going to be short. Oh. Uh, having, having been uh, in the hundred percent because it is waging war with 70 percent humidity and 95 degree temperatures but he said to me and this is great he goes i don't care whatever it costs it costs and i said you go todd well let let me suggest to him a cooler called a cabela and it's 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 one that i actually with with the people i was with uh this past week they have one in the boathouse and it works great. You can you can store beer in there for okay. days yeah. with uh, cooler packs, and it comes out nice and cold. That or a Yeti would do the trick. Andy, always a pleasure, my friend. Good to have you back. Good talk to you, Zach. Bye, buddy. See ya. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually curious about all those questions. All the questions I just raised, including the one about how much energy do you think my brother-in-law Todd is spending money on? Uh, to keep his fridge cool. By the way, I love the fact that Todd, for once, said, you know what? Money is no object. I'm not saying Todd's cheap, but Todd has particular things he will and will not spend money on. So, anyhow, just something to think about. So, real quick, Afghanistan, eh, fucking terrible. But I am not going to sit here and play armchair general and say, well, we should have done this, we should have done that. I don't know what we should have done other than the fact that Once we got in there 20 years ago, in the wake of 9-11, which I supported as a citizen, I was like, fuck those guys up. Can't let them get away with this. Once we got in there, the getting out part was going to be the hardest thing. I mean, look at the Soviets. They still had Soviet tanks rotting in the desert. And Afghanistan is not so much a nation per se. It's just a squiggly line drawn on a map that encompasses a whole bunch of tribes. The Taliban is like the only entity that managed to kind of stitch together a network of people committed to one sort of vision for running that place. And unfortunately, their vision is a nightmare vision. It is a medieval, sadistic, repressive, fucked up vision. 
And now they're back. We are now bombing our own shit that we had to leave behind. Ufa. And there's apparently a lot of stuff that is going to make its way, has already made its way to adversaries like Iran. High-level equipment, Humvees, armored vehicles, strikers, all this other shit. Wow. It's bad. Trump said we got to get out of there. Trump had a plan to get out of there, but he never did. And whoever it was that was going to get out of there needed to do a better job than this. And the fact that Biden is not going to talk to the country, apparently for a couple of days. Wow. Oh, and one more thing. Apparently some dimwit in the administration's social media department thought it was a good idea to tweet out a photo of Biden working in his shirt sleeves on the weekend and on a conference call in an empty conference room, probably from Camp David, with a bunch of security people and intel people and military people, and you could see clearly on the screen all the different intel people. Everyone on Twitter is like, yeah, that's great. You just outed a bunch of intel people. So you've burned them now. They've got to pretty much go into hiding. They can't do what they normally do. That's not Biden per se, but that's the clown show around him. Holy shit. And to think that Biden himself had tweeted when he got elected, you won't have to worry about my tweets anymore. Because remember, a lot of people didn't like Trump's tweets. Well, he never tweeted this out. That's for sure. It's a fucking mess. It's bad. You know, a lot of hardcore Taliban fighters, some who may be Al-Qaeda aligned, now free and loose, prisons emptied out over there. They got huge caches, what's the plural of caches, of weapons, and uh, who knows where those are going to go in the world. Probably nowhere good, that's for sure. And then you can bet The current administration is going to be lobbying hard to say, well, we got to take in these Afghan refugees. we got to. It's a humanitarian crisis. They're going to be slaughtered by the Taliban, and we we must loosen our, you know, admissions process for, for refugees from Afghanistan, which noble on the face of it, yeah, but it's like, hey, let's bring in Al Qaeda. Yeah, under humanitarian reasons. Holy shit, what a fucking mess. And the fact that Biden said just a few days ago, like a week ago, I think it was, that's not going to happen. It might have been three weeks. I'll give him credit. Uh, We're not going to have a Saigon on our hands. The the Taliban is not at all like the the Vietnamese army. They don't have the capabilities. We've got 300,000 men. We've got all these equipment. We've got this support. Uh, By the way, Mr. President, Kabul has fallen. Whoops. Okay, let's end on something happy and light and fun and nice. Shall we, kids? Of course we shall. Here it is. A five-on-one fight at Dodger, no, excuse me, at the Chargers and Rams preseason game. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's at SoFi in LA. And a woman. The size of Lizzo, somebody said online. That's mean, possibly, I think. But a large woman sees this other large dude getting into it with a bunch of fans. First of all, Rams and Charger fans. What? Why are you fighting exactly? Oh, that's right. It's a sporting event. It's a football game. And 
why not fight other people? Because I'm all liquored up and what the hell. This guy is about done. He's being held back. Everything is cool. And then out of nowhere, this Lizzo wannabe from two rows down grabs a full soda, lobs it over the top, hits the angered big dude in the head. He turns back around after things had de-escalated and starts going at his attackers and promptly gets swarmed in a five-on-one catching. They were meat tenderizing this guy. No real bad face shots. He didn't seem too worse for the wear, but they were just wailing on him for like a full minute with nobody helping him out. Is it wrong of me to say I really enjoyed that video? Because I did. And I guess I got time for one more thing just to end today's show. Why the hell not? Stand by, everybody. I've got something for you here. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Here we go, here we go. No, no, that's not it either. Wait a minute. Where did this go? Here we go. No, that's not it either. What? What is going on here? Oh, I know what's going on. Stand by, everybody. This is live radio. This is live podcasting. I have a cable that's unhooked. It is Sunday night. I just got back driving from Philadelphia. I am too tired to do anything, so I'm not going to edit this out. You can just suck it and deal with it. Here we go. Okay, here we go. All right. Why is it only coming in one ear? I have no idea. Stat of the day. Headline. Moms with young kids increase their drinking after the start of the pandemic by 323%. Behold your stat of the day. I missed the post there. It's four notes. Bum, 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 bum. Yeah. Uh, 323%. This research conducted by the nonprofit RTI International, the National Institute of Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism, uh, was part, uh, part two of a study launched in 2020 to analyze the pandemic's effects on American drinking habits. Additionally, binge drinking increased 26% between February and April of 2020 and only jumped further to 30% between February and and November of the following year. Look, I don't want to make light of this. If you have alcoholism as a ugly part of your family history in one way, shape, or form, it's serious shit. Drug abuse, drug overdoses, serious part of it. But all I got to say is, well, shit. I didn't need a study to tell me that. When I went for a walk with the dog in the neighborhood at the height of the pandemic, I just had to look at the recycling bins and I could have told you that. Drums, please. That is a wrap for today. Thank you so much for downloading, being part of the Zabecast Nation. Thank you very much. Spread the word as well. If you're a subscriber for five days a week, big, deep Johnny Carson bowed to you, my friends, my guys and gals out there. If you want to be part of that 1% nation, subscribe by going to Zabe.com slash premium. You get 12 months for the price of 11 when you buy a whole year, it's only five bucks a month. You want to go month to month? Go ahead. Just go month to month. You can be like Carol, my antagonistic listener who hates most of my guests, including Jay and a couple others. But she's still there. 
she's still a loyal listener. Thanks for listening. Have a great Monday, everybody, and we will see you next time. The summers of the past. Adjust the bass and let the alpine blast. Pop in my CD and let me run around and put your car on cruise and lay back because it's summertime. Hello, this is Discover, and we take customer service very seriously. We know that if you have a question or concern about your credit card, that's a serious matter, and you need to talk to a real person about it. So we offer around-the-clock access to seriously talented representatives in the USA. Again, it's a serious endeavor. The only funny thing about it is Bob. If you call us and Bob answers, you're in for a treat. Get 100% U.S.-based customer service and talk to a real person day or night. Discover exceptionally common sense. Hear that? Is that America cheering or a sausage patty sizzling to perfection? It's time to cheer for Egg McMuffin and fresh cracked eggs at McDonald's. It's time to wake up to the aroma of freshly baked biscuits and treat yourself to a real honest-to-goodness morning meal. Breakfast, it's on at McDonald's. Now get any breakfast sandwich for just 2 bucks. Available only through the app. Mobile order and pay available at participating McDonald's. McD app download and registration required. Watching any sport is a hell of a lot more exciting when you got a little something-something riding on the game. But what happens when the season is over? At my bookie, there is no off-season. NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, NHL, boxing, heck, table tennis, MMA, and more. If they got it, you can bet it. If the games are being played, the line is on the board at my bookie. Just remember, where you bet, though, is every bit as important, if not more so than what you're betting on. That's why I tell all my friends to go to mybookie.ag. Oh, but my state just approved it. There's a big whatever, or these guys are in the market. Nah, Johnny come latelys. You want to trust them? Trust the bookie I've been working with for years, my bookie. My bookie has been ahead of the game for years now. And why does it matter? Oh, I don't know. Maybe a million reasons. Better lines, better payouts, less rules. You name it. Plus, you get a bonus with me at mybookie.ag. Use promo code CHARLIE, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo. That's promo code ZABE. And get your deposit matched halfway up to $1,000. That's a free cash bonus for making your deposit. Use promo code ZABE to claim the offer. You bet, you win, and most importantly, you get paid with mybookie.ag.